just you get to choose. Like here's here's the scenario: the the environment gives us something which can be perceived as negative, can be perceived as not working, can be perceived as problematic. The world's ending. So we get to choose to see it like that, or we get to see choose to see it as an opportunity. So clearly, that it's my responsibility now to do that for other people. If I have information, and you know, other people's success is my success, and vice versa. Because you know what, like the challenges or the roadblocks are the journey themselves. There's no big things. It's all little things compounding on top of each other. We welcome Tim Sigil, CEO and President of Sales Chain LLC, to this week's episode of Truth Seekers. An experienced Chief Executive Officer, Tim has demonstrated a successful history of working in the computer software industry and is skilled in sales, professional services, and software as a service or a SaaS. After selling his first company, Nova Metric Development Group, in 2001, Tim founded Sales Chain as a lease portfolio management and CRM tool with the goal of helping salespeople sell more. Another way to put it, Sales Chain is a cloud-based business workflow automation solutions company. Today, Sales Chain has grown to serve customers in 36 states and three Canadian provinces with thousands of users across the countries. With a growing tool set, Sales Chain helps businesses develop greater efficiency and profitability through better organization and powerful automation while building a better data set in the process. Why does Tim interview people four times before hiring them? What's Tim's philosophy of communication? And why is this the number one thing he looks for when hiring people for his leadership team? Why is having fun not only important, but absolutely necessary to Tim's company culture? And what happens to others when they witness a passionate person? All this and more as we welcome Tim Sigil to this week's episode of Truth Seekers. All right, returning for another episode of Truth Seekers. Here we are, Coach Nick, Coach Josh. Find us on at ProAdvisorCoach.com, anywhere you watch your podcasts. We're introducing Tim today. Tim is a uh, business owner and has some great experience in the industry. We're looking to pick his brain about a few things. Tim, welcome to True Seekers. Hello, Josh. Hello, Nick. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I uh, did some pre, pre-show notes about you know, experiences and how, how experiences shape our outlook on life. And that's a lot of what Coach Nick and I coach to a lot with our, with our clients that we, we perceive, perceive the, the world a certain way based on experiences that we've been through. Do you find that to be true in your business? I think it, I find it true in my business and in life, right? And uh, there's no more experience that's better than uh, making mistakes. Mm. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? <laughs> well, you know, Josh and Nick, uh, you know, I think that mistakes help us, uh, help us learn what to do and what not to do, right? And, and as I say to folks who work for me, that if you're not making mistakes, now calculate, I'm not saying, you know, uh, big, big, you know, uh, catastrophic things, but if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not trying and, and, and to reach a goal that's far enough ahead of you, right? And, uh, uh, you know, mistakes, you're going to make them and you're going to learn from them and they shape the things that you ultimately do. I think this topic is so important because, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, but it's not that we purposely make mistakes. It's just that we don't know. We, we, if we want to grow and we want to expand our businesses, if we want to expand our, you know, sales or our service offerings, sometimes we don't know. It's, it's a trial and error process. 
and coach, I mean, coach, you, you have thousands of hours of coaching experience under your belt. And I'm sure you see this every day. What, what is like a common thread or a commonality? You can either take this in any direction, like a fear that people must overcome to do that. Or how, how can you get to the point to, to be okay with not knowing or being, being okay with potentially making a mistake? Yeah, let me preface that by giving you uh, an extension of something Tim kind of pushed into my mind a little bit there. I'm a pretty big Formula One fan, and I know that there's a lot of famous quotes from racing drivers that say, like, if you're, if you're feeling control of your car, you're, you're probably not pushing it quite far enough. But to your point, Tim, not catastrophically, but just a little bit, so it feels a little bit out of control. I think that pe people's default expression is, is the fear, the fear of losing something we've got or not getting something we want to get. And if we think that there's a, there's a potential that something's going to go wrong and take something away, then we're going to stay in that safe place, stay in that comfort. I think having a baseline understanding of like, look, that's where the growth really comes from. That's where we can expand, expand ourselves. And it's okay, right? I mean, the word that you used, Tim, mistake. Just a mistake. Let's just do another one. Try again. Well, listen, I think it comes down to leadership. Okay, and, and there's a couple of different areas that, that I think about when I, when I talk about this kind of topic. I think there's leadership and one of the ma main responsibilities as a business leader is that, you know, you wanna hire good people. And when you hire those good people, you wanna give them a good direction. And you wanna say, this is, you know, generally where we wanna go. And then you kind of step back and you gotta let them do it and say, you know, get us to where we wanna go. You know. And, and then you have to trust that they're going to do it and you have to monitor it. And then if they come back and say, you know what, that direction isn't right or our method of getting there isn't right, then we're going to change. And, and, and you have to you know, enable them to do that. And so I think a lot of times people are, uh, uh, are too negative. Some leaders are too you know, deliberate and they say, you know, a single mistake and you're out. And, and that's just not my style. And those maybe those people aren't entrepreneurs. Maybe those are people who work for other people. But, you know, I think that as an entrepreneur, I want my people to make calculated risks and you don't achieve more without that. Yeah, for sure. And I love what you said about trust. Mm -hmm. as, as the leader, giving the trust and saying, hey, here it is, go for it. How do you, because this part fascinates me, I flip it around. How do you create the environment, Tim, in your experience where people that employees can come in and feel like they they it really is true for them that it's okay if they screw up and make a mistake. You mean how do I instill that in them? Yeah, how do you create that environment so they really feel like they're safe that they well, can? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to openly, uh, you have to really be open and 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 honest, and you have to communicate. I mean, communication is really hard because I think there's that fine line of of. Um, establishing discipline, but at the same time, you want them to have that feeling that, you know, that the, the stick isn't going to come down on them. And the only way you can do that is through example. And I think that, you know, you have to talk about change. You have to talk about the uh, risks that were, and again, I think there's risks that a company is willing to take to succeed yeah. and there's risks that are not acceptable. And I think that's important as part of the communication process. But I think good people know, listen, before they come into the office, you know, before we hire them, you know, we're bringing people in that know that we are asking them to do um, something extraordinary and that we are expecting them to achieve um, success at higher levels. And those types of people, 
you know, no, it's instilled in them. And I think as part of the re recruiting process, um, you know, it's interesting. Recently, I implemented a, uh, a new policy for myself and, and in my hiring. And I don't know if I'm losing good people, but I actually in, um, implemented a policy where I interview somebody four times. I know that seems extreme, but senior level people, I want to really make sure that I understand who they are and what they are. And they understand what my expectations are and who I am and what we are. Um, and it, it's almost like, you know, going out on a few dates before, you know, um, you know, getting married and so forth. We really want to know that person and we want them more importantly to know who we are. I, I think that topic's so important because you, when you talk about building out a culture, it, it's as, it extends as far as the leadership team, right? And it starts with you as a business owner, but I'm wondering what types of qualities or skills do you look for, either negative or positive in that four interview process? Like why, why, has, why, had, why did you land on the number four? Mm -hmm. And then what do you look for in that process? Well, you know, when I interview somebody, I, the most important um, skill or, or the things that I look for, number one, are uh, communication. Mm. And I could have somebody who is not capable of speaking, but if they can communicate in writing, you know, that's, I'm not, they don't have to be good at everything. But my point is, is they have to be able to articulate and be able to communicate in some way, shape or form. You know, they, they all don't have to be good at everything. But I think that cultural fit, I mean, I think that, you know, you can't bring somebody in who's, 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 you know, used to working in a corporate environment, who's looking for a social, um, you know, social experience when you, if you have a small company, right? So, you know, I say to, I look at somebody, you know, who's a young, maybe looking for that, let's go out and have a beer every afternoon. That's not going to fit in a company that is got a bunch of people with families, you know, and raising young kids. But so, but also that, that go-to, you know, what we're talking about risks. If somebody is not willing to take risks, if somebody says, give me a spec and tell me explicitly what you want me to do, then that's not going to fit with me. Because for me, I throw an idea on the whiteboard and I say, go do it and come up with something. And if you have questions, come back and ask me, but I'm off doing five other things and I'm on the plane to the West Coast and that person's got to be comfortable. So those are the types of skills that I'm looking for. So I can teach somebody to do a lot of things. I don't have to have someone that matches my, my skill set explicitly. But uh, I'm much more interested in somebody who's eager and who's culturally a good fit. Gotcha. You have to have a sense of humor. Oh, I like that. There you go. <laughs> so, and, and why four? That seems like a specific number. Why not three or five? Interviews? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I just a number I came up with because I figured after four times of meeting me, someone's either going to love me or hate me. <laughs> so I figured I'd give them a clear shot, but not too much. I don't want to put them in torture. Mm. But no. And I just think that you see people in different ways and, and, and you have to let people, because especially now, you know, like with the, um, with the market, okay, that we're in, you know, 90%, 99% of the people that I'm looking to recruit are working. So, you know, I'm taking them from a, a, a mm. good job already. And so, A, you know, that means that I have to sell them on sales chain, you know, and, and also, I, uh, B, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, assuming the responsibility that I'm taking somebody away from what is probably a pretty good situation. 
So I have to be sure that, you know, that they're going to come in and they're going to fit and they're not going to want to leave and have ruined that opportunity where they are. So there's a, there's a responsibility there as well. Mm. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit more about sales chain. I've been doing a bunch of reading up on it and it seems like a super interesting company. would love to know, you know, how it started, where it's going right now. It sounds like you're growing if you're hiring, right? Yeah, we're definitely growing. I mean, I sometimes, uh, you know, I, I feel guilty a little bit uh, uh, saying it, but, you know, COVID was a huge growth opportunity for us because uh, we are, first of all, sales chain is a business workflow automation solutions company. We're a cloud-based solutions uh, company. Um, we have customers all over North America and we serve the office technology space. So people who are reselling um, office technology, copiers, printers, phone systems, computers, mailing systems, that kind of stuff. And on companies that are providing IT services um, with regards to managing networks and so forth. And so, um, you know, so we work with a lot of great companies uh, and we enjoy it. Awesome, and growing and doing and growing and doing well, right? So, talk to me about you know how long you've been in business and where, where it's going right now. Uh, we've been in business for 19 years. Wow! And so, uh, this you know, I started the company, and and it, this is actually my second software company. I originally started on Wall Street, and then um, went over to uh, work with a number of the GE companies, ending with mostly GE Capital and uh, uh, leasing environment, and then. Uh, I left that and uh, started my first company, which was a point of sale credit financing system. So, you know, you go online and, you know, you enter your information and you get a, get a loan. Well, I, you know, I created one of the first one of those mm. and sold that company during the dot-com bubble. And then uh, took a couple of years off and, uh, uh, and then I started sales chain. And my goal with sales chain <clears throat> was to, you know, when I was with GE Capital, I created GE Capital's first e-commerce platform for the, the small ticket leasing business. And then, and that was really fun, but what I, I was only able to help people to the extent that they were doing business with GE Capital, which, you know, it's not a bad, bad thing, but it was limiting because, you know, people who sell stuff, they never just have one financing partner, right? And so, so when I left GE Capital, I created my first product, my company, I created this and sold it to finance companies. So Bank of America and so forth and so on, Mellon Bank and so forth. But again, I was limited to the extent that I could only help people do business with the relative institution. So when I sold that company, when I, uh, when I created Sales Chain, my goal was I want to help, help people who sell stuff. Mm. And I don't care what they sell. I don't care who they sell it to. I don't care who they finance it with. But I want to have fun helping people sell stuff. And that's really what, that's the, what, where Sales Chain came from. Well, it, uh... Uh, this, I'm sure this is sticking out for coach as well, because uh, we, we preach it in our company, having fun and a sense of humor. Why, why is that important to your, your culture, what you're building? It's not important. It's absolutely necessary <laughs> because, you know, we got to make a living, right? And, and we got to work every day. And it's pretty, it would be pretty miserable if I didn't like what I did. Um, but also, I think just the nature of what we do um, with companies is that we, we like you, we're, we coach. And more than our software, um, you know, it's a vision and, and it's a support mechanism. And so we provide a lot of hand-holding support to our customers to help them achieve their goals. And sometimes it, helping them with their goals means helping them define what those goals really are, you know? Mm. What's that speak to you, coach? We talk about strategic vision all the time, starting with the end in mind. 
that jumps out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love. Thank you for sharing that, Tim, because I love the evolution of of, of Wall Street to GE to the come first company to to seeing the limits and then breaking out, seeing the limits and breaking out, working within the creation of perfection within the limit, and then knowing that actually perfection is not good enough. I've got to break out and create mm-hmm. a place where sounds like a sales chain that you have is like, well, now you get the flexibility to work with who you want to work with. There's no limits around that. Having fun doing it. It's, it's a, it's a theme that I always see from the people that really are successful is because they're, it's, it's a, such a cliche. It almost sounds trite to say it, but it's so important because if you're in a place and a lot of people that, that see this and listen to this, that might be in a place of thinking about where they've just started their business or they're just thinking about starting a business or they're thinking about breaking out to a different career or, or something yeah. else. And you're thinking, is it really available for me? And that key thing that you shared, Tim, was that it's necessity to have fun. We have to be thinking about this as being a long term. Do I want to spend my life doing this? Do I want to spend a significant amount of my day, my week doing this? Is it going to it's provide enough value to others? What's that? It's about passion. About passion. It really you is. Gotta, you, gotta, you gotta have passion in what you do. P- people buy passion. Okay. <laughs> it's something I have really, and, and it's interesting. Matt, my son Matthew joined us yeah. as our marketing manager last year. And he has brought help brought more energy into the company. I'll be very honest. I, I think that um, and working with him is fun. But when we go out and do presentations, customers look at us and they're like, oh my God, you guys are having fun. You like what you're doing. We want to be part of that. And so it, 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 it's self-serving in that sense. But also you mentioned something about change and limits and so forth. And I think that one of the things that I have found with what we're doing with sales chain is that we have not put ourselves or defined ourselves in a box, you know, where this is what we are. That's, I would never put myself in a box. I am whatever my customers need me to be. Okay. And as my customers grow those needs. So we, for example, we started, at the company, really kind of as a CRM, kind of vertically focused CRM, okay? That's almost the last thing I talk about now. I only talk about CRM because we have to take um, Salesforce out, okay? And so, you know, it's a necessary part of what we have to discuss. But business workflow automation, we're much more focused on pricing deals, documenting deals, paying people commissions, workflow to, you know, a deal is just a piece of paper until it's delivered. And so the entire process of fulfillment is something that we have automated. And we've done that, not because, listen, it's not because we came up with an idea that no one else in the world has come up with. It's just that we take that common problem, that common process, and we improve it. And we've just continuously added that sort of functionality to our system. And when the customers see that you are capable, when they see that you are passionate, they're going to ask you to do more things that they, that even though you may not do them today because they trust you, they will ask you to do them. And uh, that's how we've succeeded. It's, it's almost so, seems so simple, doesn't it? But I think that's the case that, that because it seems simple, people don't tend to think it's that important. Uh-huh. Right? It's like that, that passion. If you think about what we're doing all the time, you could call it sales, but I prefer to think of it as influencing and that we're doing that all the time in all parts of our business and all parts of our life. If you're passionate about something, if you're emotionally charged about something, people feel that. 
And it's just a transference of emotion. And we will go there. I want to work with Tim. Like, of course I want to work with Tim. Yeah. He's passionate, he gets it, I trust him. So whatever comes up, I back to that word again, right? And that comes as comes back full circle to having the right people in the team to enable them to make mistakes because of the trust, because of the passion. Well, that's it. And then back to the people, okay, and, and is is making sure that they have the, the tools and the resources to do and the trust to to get the job done and the discipline to get it done. And you know, it's it's interesting, you know, when I back to this whole, you know box issue and what we do and how we do it. You know, it's interesting when I go into a company and someone questions, oh, do I need you? Or do I, you know, is it right for me? You know, my, I, I immediately just look at the owner and I say, listen, as a business owner, you've got, you know, decisions that you're making every day and choices that you're making every day. And you've got problems that you're dealing with every day. Tell me their top three problems that you're dealing with today. If I can solve one of them, would you buy my product? I mean, because the leader of the company has big problems, not little problems. So if I can solve one third, take one third of his problems off of his desk, he's pretty much going to buy my product uh, every time. Okay. And uh, now, and, and so I say that, and then at the same time, I, you know, changing the subject for a second, you know, because it's, it's something just came to my mind. Um, one of the things that that passion and, and so forth helps with is when a lot of times I talk to business owners and they say, I've, you know, invested in this and I am, you know, the business is, is, is it's functioning poorly, but I invested in this. I made a commitment to it. And, you know, getting an owner to change their mind is, I think, one of the most important skills that a leader has to have is the ability to say, I made a mistake. And to change their mind. I don't care, you know, if you, you know, if you bought a, a, a car and you don't like it anymore, you don't think twice about trading it in and just taking the, taking the hit and buying a new one, right? And so business owners sometimes, as a coach, you know this, you've got to just say, okay, at the time you made that decision, it was the right decision to make. Today, the dynamics have changed. Your understanding has changed. And so now, as a leader, you have to make another decision. Do I keep going down that path, knowing that it's the wrong path. You, you know, it's a straight path and you know, you know, you're not going to make it curved. It's straight. <laughs> and so you have to make another decision. That's a hard thing for a lot of leaders to do. Yeah. It's, it's a concept of looking always forward, never back. The coach and I like to say there's, there's no bad decisions. There's just opportunities to make more decisions. That's, that's what decisions give us. Uh, there's just, there's, there, I always say there's no bad decisions, but there's decisions that I make, might make differently today. Right. <laughs> sure. And and it comes back to today. What decision can you make today based on those decisions to move exactly. forward? But it's all about moving forward. Mm -hmm. Are you doing your business justice by sticking with just a, with a bad employee? Mm. Okay. If you hire somebody, you pay them a lot of money, and they're not working out, what do you do? Mm. Absolutely. Well, Tim, there's a lot of wisdom flying around here. What we like to do at the end is just grab some takeaways. So maybe something you might share with you know, somebody like coach said, uh, who's thinking about starting their own business or is in that spot right now, maybe a, a year or two in is struggling with a few things. What might you want to share with them considering your experience and what you've been through? Well, you know, I think that uh, that's a good question. And I think that the experiences that I've, I, I've had uh, that I would share are uh, as follows. First of all, entrepreneurs, there's one thing that every entrepreneur has to have, and that is 
the love of experience, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows every day. Mm. Because if you don't have thick skin in a, you know, a stomach lining, okay, you gotta have a, you gotta have a good stomach. You're, it's the wrong thing to do. You could have, be the smartest person in the world, but if you can't go home at night and, and, and accept the fact that you know, you're not getting paid, okay? Everybody else got paid and you didn't. And you, know, and you gotta have a support team at home too. So I think that that's very important. I think that you know, everything costs more than you think it's gonna cost. Mm. Um, and so I think be prepared for that. And just make, make good financial decisions, but also make good gut calls. I always tell people, if your gut's telling you something, it's probably right. So yes. if you look at a problem, you look at, a, at, at an issue, trust your gut before you trust any, any number or stat on a piece of paper. That's, that's so true. And that's kind of circling back to how we started this conversation with experiences shaping our vision. No one's been through the experiences that we've been through in our lives. So yeah. if you ever seek advice, it's always going to be from someone who has different experiences. And that's good. And that's fine and dandy. We want those. We want different perspectives. But if we if we have a gut feeling about something, like you're saying, we're, we're usually right. So I, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, trust yourself. And, and I think that just because somebody's smart, just oh, let me rephrase that. Just because someone says they're smart doesn't mean they are smart. Just because they have a PhD or something on their title doesn't mean they're smart. And they, and, and they don't necessarily have the, uh, the stomach to be an entrepreneur. And, and being an entrepreneur means taking a risk. Hmm. Well, Coach, how about you? Something, something you're taking away or advice you'd like to give or a common thread that you're pulling out from this conversation? Yeah, for me, to sum up, uh, what you said previously about the decision stuff, Tim, I think for me is the reminder uh, of the cost of inaction. Uh, the the we we the sunk cost fallacy. Well, we, we've we've paid for it. Let's let's we we'll keep it there. That employee, it's the employee that we don't get rid of is the one that costs us the most. And to realize that any time we spend going down a place what we know is not the right way, it's 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 extra time. We've got to take steps back just to get back to zero before we do in the direction we do have mm -hmm. to go. Massive cost of inaction. Um, so yet by doing the status quo, it's, it's way costlier than we often realize. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, every owner that I talk to, you know, has made a mistake. Every owner that I've talked to has wished that they, you know, didn't hire that person or didn't invest, but they all moved forward. You know, they all continued and, and with a goal. So anyway. I think part of that continuance is my takeaway today is the fun and the passion. When you have that passion about something, <clears throat> those road bumps, those those little hiccups along the way don't don't hurt as much, right? You mentioned the highest, the highest, the lowest of the lows. It makes the lowest of the lows a little bit more, I guess, easy to stomach because you get to show up the next day and you still love what you do. You're still in, in the industry of doing what you love. And I think you can't lose that way, even when things get tough. And my coach and I reframe all the time. Usually that means something really good's about to happen. You're right on the brink of something, some sort of breakthrough that maybe you struggled to wrap your head around the identity of changing that way, but it kind of forces you in that direction. And all of a sudden something, something great, something beautiful that you didn't expect is right around the corner. Yeah, no, I agree. Awesome, Tim. So maybe I'll give you the last word. Anything else that you might want to share today? Oh boy. Uh, I think I said everything. <laughs> Buy sales chain. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> also a good mark of a leader as well, right? It's like knowing, knowing when you've said everything, 
and and plug your company. <laughs> exactly. And if you guys have anything else you want from me, by all means, we can you know you can call me and we can talk again. But uh, but uh, now this is fun, and uh, you know I hope that I uh, uh, hope you guys are successful. Awesome. Appreciate it, Tim. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate Take you coming, care, guys. Thank you for watching another episode of Truth Seekers. We appreciate your interaction. So please comment, like, subscribe to YouTube, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want more, check out some of our links. Links to our masterclass, The Achiever's Mindset, and come join our LinkedIn group. And what do you want to see more of? Remember, we're here to share the simple secrets of successful. So help us do that. What do you want to see? What do you want to see more of? Thanks, and see you again next time.